Today, on What About Bob, I will be addressing the issue of abortion, first from a personal perspective, and then I shall be talking about the dark interest of those whose pro-choice stances conceal a sinister design. So please join us on What About Bob. Welcome to What About Bob. It is November 29th, 2020. I am an abortion survivor. No, I was not an accidental live birth whose mother suddenly changed her mind after seeing me struggle to live while lying on some blood-soaked table. Nope. Instead, I was an adopted child. Now, before you criticize me about claiming to have survived abortion, please understand that putting me up for adoption was a choice for my biological mother just as abortion was a choice. Now, considering that I was born in the early part of the 1950s, you might say that abortion wasn't legal until 1972. Thus, my claim is fraudulent. On the contrary, it has been estimated that during the decades of the 50s, that the number of illegal abortions ranged between 200,000 to 1.2 million per year. So abortion was an option. And considering the estimated numbers of abortions, it was almost as easy then as it is now, and that any woman determined to have an abortion, with little searching, could find the means to do so. Then you might remind me that in the decades leading up to Roe v. Wade, abortion was about as safe as throwing yourself on a hand grenade. Well, considering that the ease shown in handing out licenses just about anything claiming to be an abortion clinic. I'm not just, I'm not sure just how much safer getting an abortion is these days. Can you say Dr. Kermit Gosnell? In a piece from the Catholic Education Resource Center, it states, astonishingly, astonishingly, many states do not require that abortion-related complications be reported to their health departments. Nevertheless, A review of available data reveals that thousands of women are injured each year from short-term complications such as hemorrhaging, uterine perforation, and infection. And the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention approximates that one woman in 100,000 dies from complications associated with first trimester abortions. You don't hear a whole lot of that being shouted out on the main airways. But of course, it goes without saying that the odds of the mother surviving far outweighs the odds for the baby's survival. So, the argument that I make of my surviving early infanticide, I believe are sound, thanks to my biological mother, who believed that I deserved the opportunity to live. And which brings us to these modern times, and those who do not get to live, which is a lot of babies. Between 1973 and 2018, 61.8 million babies were aborted. According to the Guttmacher Institute, 2,362 abortions are performed every day. And according to the CDC, for every 1,000 live births, 186 babies are aborted. But allow me to offer another set of numbers. The Adoption Network Law Center, 
estimates between, quote, one and two million couples are waiting to adopt a child. But unfortunately, only 4% of women with unwanted pregnancies place their children through adoption. Now, another interesting tidbit is that 40% of adopted children are of a different race, culture, or ethnicity from the adopting family, meaning there's a home from almost every child out there. I was fortunate to be a survivor of abortion, but there is something that I want to say to all those agencies, including Planned Parenthood and the American Civil Liberties Union, that have solicited millions of federal dollars or dragged any pro-family legislative body into court in order to maintain the status quo. Well, I survived. And I have lived a life that would never have been possible if you would have had your way and my biological mother would have been seduced into making a grave mistake. My life has been good, just as millions of other lives could have been good if not for the illegal abortion, or excuse me, for the legal abortion clinics, along with the mindset that abortion is a woman's right, leaving the baby without any rights whatsoever. And how dare you? How dare any of you? And finally, once upon a time, I had a single bumper sticker on the back of my car. And it simply read, saying, quote, it's easy to be pro-choice when you're not the one getting killed. Oh, how true. How true. Well, there you have a piece written by someone with uh, stats that you would certainly expect to be a pro-lifer, a.k.a., in my case, abortion survivor. But when talking about the influence, there must be a recognition of the interest of those who promote abortion. And in a recent copy of the Sunday Times, I found this headline, Aborting Babies with Down Syndrome equates to eugenics. And if I may read from this, the selective aborting of babies with Down syndrome, quote, equates to eugenics, which is the elimination of human beings not considered fit or healthy enough to have a normal life. This declared in an op-ed in the November 22nd Sunday Times. It goes on, in Britain, a baby diagnosed with a condition is 90% likely to be aborted, writes David Quinn, director of the Iona Institute and a Sunday Times columnist. He says, in Denmark and some other countries, we find almost identical situations. While some people defend Down syndrome abortion on the grounds that it keeps children with the condition from coming into the world, the very practice itself reinforces a eugenic mindset that sees people with disabilities as somehow inferior, Mr. Quinn argues. Eugenics, quote, was once considered a perfectly respectable point of view, Quinn notes, but it is no longer so today. As Breitbart News reported, one of the world's largest abortion providers, Marie Stopes International, opted to change its name last week to distance the organization from its racist eugenist founder. Abortion giant Planned Parenthood made a similar move last summer, quietly stepping away from founder Margaret Sanger, who sought to purify society from inferior races 
through abortion and contraception. And as Quinn notes, Marie Stopes wanted the hopelessly rotten and racially diseased to be sterilized and was opposed to interracial marriage because that would compromise, quote, racial purity. Funny enough, when all the politics there are out there calling everybody racist, that one of the biggest organizations on the left is Planned Parenthood, certainly supported by those leftists who once again have real no insight into history. But the piece goes on to say, the idea spread around the world, enthusiastically embraced not only by Hitler's Germany, but by many enlightened Western nations as well. And in Sweden, for instance, 10 of thousands of unfit women were forcibly sterilized during the rule of the Social Democrats who governed between 1930s and the 1970s. Social Democrats, Socialist Democrats. I wonder if AOC is willing to acknowledge the connection that may be there. But again, going back to the Sunday Times piece, quote, the reason so many Social Democrats and liberals were such enthusiastic supporters of eugenics is because they thought it was for the greater good of society and that it was supported by science. Only religious obscurinist could be against eugenics, they thought, and in fact, the Catholic Church was the theory's main opponent. And while in the West, state-imposed eugenics no longer exists today, but it has been replaced by a new form, Quinn notes, and its victims are often children with disabilities. In an um, upcoming episode of the British soap opera, Immemorial it features a couple deciding to abort a child diagnosed with Down syndrome. And, and in turn, apparently, according to Quinn, it has outraged families who have children with this condition. Your story, quote, will further serve to encourage and confirm the opinion that ending the life of a baby just because it has Down syndrome is perfectly acceptable and understandable because maybe it would be better if fewer people like them were in the world. This written by Wendy O'Carroll, the founder of the United Kingdom support charity Ups and Downs, in an open letter to Emmerdale. Some deep-set prejudices die hard, and the myth of the perfect society, or the perfect family, obtained by weeding out and eliminating their less desirable members, is certainly one of them. And again, this piece was in the Sunday Times. You can pull it up online if you wish to read it for yourself. But eugenics and abortion cannot be separated when it's pretty much abortion on demand. And you'll have anybody, any abortion doctor will do anything to make a buck or feel like they're helping society become a more superior race. Now, along in this same line of thinking, I wrote a piece as a guest columnist in the Fort Wayne News Sentinel back on August 10th, 2015. It was titled, The Spirit of Mengele Lives On, if I may. Dr. Josef Mengele was the angel of death. And during World War II, he was the physician assigned at the Nazi concentration camp Auschwitz. It was there he conducted his cruel and sadistic experiments on young children, 
all for the purposes of proving Aryan superiority through hereditary heredity. Now, being an integral clog in Heinrich Himmler's SS, Mengele would present himself as a grandfatherly figure to those children brought into the death camp, children that he would ultimately select, telling them stories and offering them sweets before he butchered them mercilessly. And as he was doing this, he often whistled as he worked. Some of his procedures included injecting chemicals into the pupils of children with hydrochromatic eyes, which is eyes of different colors. Mengele had a fascination for twins, so he would experiment, transfusing disease-tainted blood from one twin into another. And after the war, reports revealed that on one evening alone, the good doctor personally killed 14 sets of twins by injecting chloroform into their hearts. He would perform surgical experiments on pregnant women without anesthesia before sending them to the gas chambers. And then during one experiment, he had two twins conjoined by sewing their backs together, ultimately causing their death due to gangrene. And then at the end of the war, as the Allies converged on Germany, Dr. Mengele managed to escape to Argentina. Although authorities believed him dead, Mengele was living quite well through the efforts of established associates and also making money performing abortions on South American women. He eluded the Mossad, which is, of course, the uh, Israeli intelligence agency. He eluded the Mossad up until the day he died in February 1979 due to drowning. And friends who had visited the old doctor in South America claimed he remained unrepentant. And why should he feel guilty? After all, he was a medical doctor. Everything he did was for the greater good of mankind, or at least that's the way Mengele thought. So ultimately, little children died so that others could have a better life, he reasoned. But as we've seen, the spirit of Mengele lives on within the soul of Planned Parenthood. As has been witnessed, and perhaps you'll remember all this, thanks to undercover discussions recorded with ranking Planned Parenthood officials, what we do to the unborn is done with the same conviction as was practiced in the Nazi death camps. And perhaps the only difference was the fact that the mothers under Mengele's supervision did not willingly surrender their children. That's right, I said children, and I chose not to hide behind the label unborn or tissue. Just a reminder for those who conveniently refuse to acknowledge modern medical science or ethics, that at the end of three weeks, a baby's hands, arms, legs, toes, fingers, and feet are fully formed. Their heart is beating. The eyes are almost fully formed, and most of the baby's organs and tissues have developed. In the recordings, the officials exhibit extreme dispassion, explaining how big money can be made by selling the body parts of aborted and partially aborted babies. And while eating her heart-healthy salad, Dr. Deborah Nukatola, Planned Parenthood's Senior Director of Medical Services, talks in chilling detail how an unborn child's head and liver are in high demand. But they are careful 
Nukatola reminds the interviewers and then describes how the abortionists will use ultrasound in order to carefully guide their forceps. Quote, we've been very good at getting the heart, lungs, and liver. I'm not going to crush that part. I'm going to crush below. I'm going to crush above. I'm sure the child whose life has been denied by a selfish breeder and a greedy health organization will be ecstatic to know all the care that's being put into having his organs extracted. Partner this up with the exploits of Dr. Kermit Gosnell. I mentioned him before, and you'll remember Gosnell, the Philadelphia abortionist who performed multiple partial birth abortions after the lawful gestation period allowed by Pennsylvania law. And you just might discover the true nature of the abortion industry. Calling his procedure, quote, ensuring fetal demise, Gosnell would stab scissors in the back of a living baby's neck and then cut the spinal cord. There was even a case where he noticed a baby was still breathing under its removal of the womb. So the Philly butcher just slit the neck and threw the remains into an empty shoebox. To Gosnell, killing a living human was no different from butchering a chicken for supper. But like Mengele, Gosnell was unrepentant. He was doing what he did for the greater good. Anybody who's ever watched any recordings of Gosnell notice his indifference, his almost casual approach. He thinks it's almost like he's in an opera and that he'll be the hero. But make no mistake, the attitudes and methods of the self-anointed gods, such as Dr. Mengele, continue to thrive among those who steal life and will have you believe that it's all good. And what is expected from you, well, you just keep your mouth shut and go with the flow. This certainly is not the first, nor will it be the last commentary connecting Nazis with abortionists, nor should it be. Now, something I want to add on to that part. It is amazing to listen to our new president-elect, Joe Biden, when addressing the coronavirus issues, the pandemic that is overwhelming our country right now. How he talks about going with the science. Well, that's the liberals for you, the far left. Following the science, of course, is selective. Because if they follow the science, Biden would be the first one standing up calling for an end to abortion, all abortion. Of course, Biden is one of those, certainly would be hailed by the progressives because he does not allow his faith religion to uh, interfere as he performs his public duties. Of course, it doesn't seem to matter to him that his faith, which must not be very near near and dear, has on occasion disallowed him from taking communion because of his stances on abortion. But only if these so-called enlightened people who put science over God would actually follow science, they just might come a little closer to God, don't you think? So I think it is important to note, however, that atrocities committed by the likes of Dr. Gosnell and other medical practitioners out there who, at least in it seems 
in their viewpoint that the child, even after come out, coming out of the mother's womb and technically being alive, is still nothing but a piece of meat to be discarded. But it has not escaped our politicians, primarily and mostly primarily the conservatives or the Republican Party. And so there was a bill uh, about a year ago or a little over a year ago that had been introduced. And it was, um, or actually coming on to two years, but it was Senate Bill 311. And in this bill, uh, the Republicans were attempting to provide uh, an amendment to prohibit a healthcare practitioner from failing to exercise the proper degree of care in the case of a child who survives an abortion or an attempted abortion. And so thus this act came to be known as the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. A noble endeavor, certainly. But as was written in the bill that was introduced, Congress found the what finds the following. One, if an abortion results in the live birth of an infant, the infant is a legal person for all purposes under the law of the United States and entitled to all the protections of such laws. And two, any infant born alive after an abortion or within a hospital, clinic, or other facility has the same claim to the protection of the law that would arise for any newborn or for any person who comes to the hospital, clinic, or other facility for screening and treatment or otherwise becomes a patient within its care. Common sense, right? Well, not according to the Democrats. And the Dems, basically, uh, they voted against the bill. But uh, there were requirements made in this bill. And again, listen to these and tell me if it's not just civil common sense. Requirements pertaining to born alive abortion survivors and the requirements for health care practitioners now. And in the case of an abortion or attempted abortion, it results in a child born alive. The degree of care required starts with immediate admission to a hospital. Any health care practitioner present at the time the child is born alive shall a exercise the same degree of professional skill, care, and diligence to preserve the life and health of the child as is reasonably diligent and conscientious health care practitioner would render to any other child born alive at the same gestational age and b following the exercise of skill, care, and diligence required under subparagraph A, ensure that the child born alive is immediately transported and admitted to a hospital. Then two, there are what was called for mandatory reporting of such violations. And in this, a healthcare practitioner or any employee of a hospital, a physician's office, or an abortion clinic who has knowledge of a failure to comply with the requirements of paragraph one shall or a paragraph one, shall immediately report the failure to an appropriate state or federal law enforcement agency, or to both. And finally, 
the intentional killing of a child born alive, which has been done probably more than we are aware. It's just that Dr. Kermit Gosnell out of Philadelphia certainly got a lot of attention along with his attitude. But in this intentional killing of a child born alive, whoever intentionally performs or attempts to perform an overt act that kills a child born alive described under subsection A shall be punished as under section 1111 of this title for the intentional killing or attempting to kill a human being. In other words, that child, a minute old, has and should have the same rights as any person of any age, of any race, nationality, ethnicity, culture, uh, anywhere, that anybody tries to harm them. The law is there to protect them. But, in explaining their reasons for voting against the bill, this comes out of Snopes, the Democratic senators did not express indifference to the face of the newborn babies, but rather argued that the bill was legally unnecessary. Existing federal law and some state laws already protect babies born alive after abortions, unfairly criminalized health practitioners, and inappropriately interfered in the doctor-patient relationships. Now, wait a minute. Then how in the hell did Gosnell get away with it? How in the hell do other doctors get away with it? That's doctor that died before he could get arrested when they opened up the garage of the trunk of his car and found hundreds of fetuses of various ages. The laws regarding computers are overlooked. And as what happened in Pennsylvania during Gosnell's time of, of mass abortions, you know, health clinic checkups are horrible. Let's face it, your gas stations get better checkups on the cleanliness of their bathrooms than some of these abortion clinics. That should end. That should stop. They should, if they're going to have the laws of any state is going to have the law, instead of looking the other way, you need to provide support to those laws. And that means prosecution of anyone who breaks those laws. Now, so this idea that uh, they talk about the laws that are already in place in certain states that protect those babies, but are they in all states? Apparently not, not according to Virginia's governor, Norton. You know, he, he jumps at the chance. And I think then New York has turned around and done the same thing. So the Democrats once again show their true colors. Now, by voting to block Senate Bill 311, Democratic and independent U.S. senators prevented the advancement of a bill that would insert into federal law a uniform nationwide obligation on health care practitioners to provide medical care to babies born alive after failed abortions and introduce uniform nationwide criminal penalties for failing to uphold those obligations we, once again, need to be a country that gets back to honoring life. So that kind of sums up Congress's attitudes and their willingness to act. 
And if you think the progressives are ever going to protect life, you're wrong. That is, except if you've gone out and murdered a young girl and you happen to be an illegal alien. Oh, the libs will jump and come to your support at a moment's notice. But not for the child that has no choice if they're killed or if they're allowed to live. Well, that's it for another episode of What About Bob? This November 29th, 2020. One last point I want to make for those of you out there who are pro-life. For Donald Trump to be voted out of office, this has got to be a blow. Whether you liked his mannerisms or not, he stood firmly behind those who believe that life is important. Well, anyway, have a good week, and I hope that you join me again on another episode of What About Bob. Take care.